Hello, everyone. It's great to be back with you here on this episode. On this episode, I want to jump right in and talk about some things that uh, I'm excited to talk about, one of my uh, favorite places of conversation. I'm going to talk to you about leadership and ministry and doing things in the church and doing things for our community and as we talk about that, I want to kind of focus in on some areas that I've learned through the years in the past uh, 16, 17 years of serving in, in small capacities and, and sometimes a little bigger capacities, uh, been involved with uh, different uh, ministries and boards and uh, Sunday schools and, and Sunday school superintendents, small groups, and led uh, leadership over those. And, and so I want to talk to you about that basic uh, serving, and I hope that this is a topic that's relevant to you uh, in all of our churches and and even in some Christian schools, there's ministry of all kinds. But I really believe that the greatest outlet that we can have in our spiritual life is an outlet of ministry to be able to help people in their daily lives. So I want to talk to you about that. And one of the things I, I want to talk to you about is when we talk about ministry, Sometimes we can talk about it like it's a, just a thing or a job or, or a, an activity, and, and those, those things are true. But really, when we talk about ministry, we want to, first of all, almost replace that word with people, because if you're going to do ministry, it's going to involve people to some extent. Now, you may be a beside, uh, behind-the-scenes person that has a different gifting and maybe even administration or something like that to where you're not as, as, as comfortable being around groups of people, or but you will somehow be interacting with people through media and things that you do. So when we talk about ministry, we're talking about people, because if there isn't any people, there isn't any ministry to do. So, uh, And so when we talk about that, I want to I say this. I've kind of developed through the years a different uh, idea on this, and, and a lot of it's been through self-development and things I've read and working with people. And, and, and as I have, I kind of want to say this first. If you're talking about ministry and leadership, first of all, it's difficult. And I wish I would have early on in ministry, even uh, trying to train Sunday school teachers back whenever I first started and, and even uh, in the youth group that we were in and, and helping lead, I wish I would have just told people right on the, it's very, it's difficult because people, it, it, you know, they say churches, you know, church is easy until people get involved. You know, one, one guy said business is easy until people get involved, but really ministry is people and working with people can be difficult because people are, are naturally difficult or bent towards uh, maybe getting things our way or seeing things a certain way. But we know we see an example with Jesus that Jesus left his world to enter down into our world so he could minister to us and help us. So a lot of ministry is trying to enter someone else's world and see things how they are. Now, that's why and when we're talking about helping people and working on teams, most ministry that's going to be scalable at all, you're going to have to make a decision uh, to have some size of team. And that's why some of these teams and, and even businesses has made a decision to use uh, Myers-Briggs assessments, uh, DISC assessments. That, that way you can understand your personality. But what they do is get you also to understand someone else's personality because not everybody sees the world like you see the world. And whenever we're talking about leading as a team and doing ministry that's scalable, something that's going to grow, and by the way, I believe that uh, God said, even in the book of Acts, we see that the, that the Bible says that they added to the church daily, and all churches will grow, and they'll go through a time, some of them are in maintenance, and some of them are just survival, but all of them will have a growth that will go up, and then it, it may plateau for a while, but our goal should be trying to add people. Now, sometimes when people say, for instance, they go to start another church, 
church, your, your attendance may go down, but your ministry is still going through other churches or some other way. But having said that, we are to desire that the, 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 the Bible says they added to the church daily. And when that happens, that means you're going to have new people, new blood, new ideas, new personalities, new, well, some people, uh, it's all about relationships. It's all about re- how everybody feels. And, and then other people, it's all about how you think and processes and systems. So, but when we look into this, I want to go to the book of Jeremiah. And the reason is, is because if I wanted to model a ministry after somebody in the Old Testament, it would probably be the prophet Jeremiah. He was known as the weeping prophet. And Jeremiah, uh, he was talking to God, and he's basically basically paraphrasing this. He's telling God before in this chapter, the chapter before in Jeremiah chapter 11, he's basically saying to God, look, all this is going on in the land. I've been a prophet for you. I've been serving you, but it basically almost seems like you're attending to the evil people. No one's listening to me anyway, but Jeremiah kept his heart that was broken for the people. In the midst of even kind of this grumbling section, Jeremiah still kept his heart right. And when you're doing ministry, you want to know that you you have to maintain your heart for the people. You have to maintain a compassion and an empathy for people, even even though they may discourage you, even though they may make you mad, even though they may make you not really want to be able to help them. You want to make sure that you guard your heart. And during this time, Jeremiah had basically put this petition to God, look, these people of this land aren't going to listen. You've told me to do it, God. Now, when are you going to basically set the record straight and judge them and take care of them? And here's what, here's the response God had to Jeremiah. If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage to manage in the thickets by the Jordan? Your relatives, members of your own family, even they have betrayed you. They have raised a loud cry against you. Do not trust them, though they speak well of you. And he's basically telling Jeremiah, look, you're talking to me about what's going on. And I'm, and by the way, we haven't, nothing surprised God. Someone's betrayed you, someone that's hurt you, someone that's ra- trying to raise up against you, or even someone that's just being a, basically a roadblock for you. That hasn't surprised God. He's not like, oh my goodness, I didn't know this was going to happen. But God will use those things to mature us and to help us. And when I say that, I say, oh me, do I enjoy it always? No. But the basic thing is, is people want to lead and they do want to do ministry. Um, I remember uh, whenever I was asked to teach at a youth camp, oh, I don't know, it was probably 2010 area, something like that. I saved for five years at the time. And I'll never forget, I did this, um, I did a lesson. And so the deal was that the people that ran the youth camp, they decided what we needed to do was come up with topics. And that was a great idea. And so we would come up with a topic and then see how many kids would show up. And so I just, being a young Christian, you know, five years into it, I thought, well, what would I want to teach on? And way back then, just four or five years into it, I thought, I want to teach on leadership because if we can train young leaders, this is a youth camp, then man, we could really impact more people by training. So it was on my heart all those years ago to train leaders. But I remember when I showed up, like I was the young guy, I was the associate pastor at the time, and I was doing ministry. I was doing some preaching and things and Sunday school superintendent at the time. But I'll never forget when I showed up, some of these pastors that have been doing it for 10 10 years, their topics, they'd pick all pick different topics. We didn't know what their topics were. They said, I said, well, where am I at? And I figured I'd be in one of these little rooms like I was. I think I taught the year before. And they go, well, actually, you're in the main sanctuary because the most people signed up for this than any other topic. They wanted to be leaders. These were teen kids and junior high kids. So junior and senior high kids. 
And so we had, I don't know, like 75 kids in there or something like that. Maybe I don't think it was a hundred, but probably 75 kids and all the rest were broke up with some of these even more mature minister ministers and talking about their topics. And I did just told me something back then, but most people do want to leave. Not, you know, if you had a event and you said all the followers show up, there'd be some show up, but most people have a desire to lead. Even when they were young, these teens wanted to learn about it. And I'll never forget the book we, uh, the, that I had kind of used, been reading at that time. It's called Leading with Your Strengths. I, I strongly recommend it. It's been years since I read it, but it kind of talks about leading with your strengths and how that works and what's going on. But, but my whole point of the thing is, is that there is something in it as Christians. We should desire to, to be in leadership. We should desire to be in some type of ministry. And I don't believe we can grow spiritually without being an outlet. There being an outlet for all the passion and all the love and all of the worship that we do. I think that the church in the past, I'm not picking on any certain church, but the church as a whole I, I say this all the time to our church, like a like a broken record probably to them on my soapbox, but it's go into church, raise your hands, worship God, say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. But then whenever you're done with the worship, sit on your hands and say, bless me if you can, preacher, and walk out the door and wait for the next service the next week. That's not church. That's not discipleship. The Bible says, Jesus says, go and make disciples into all nations. And so that should be our heart's desire. But here God is having this exchange with Jeremiah. He's saying, look, he said, you've raced with foot on men and they've worn you out. People may wear you out, but there's still a mission ahead. And if you're worn out from people, and if you've had a lot of people you're trying to train and try to lead, well, thank God for you. Because Jeremiah, being the man of God, he was the weeping prophet. He himself had been kind of worn out with this. And God kind of goes on this time with him. Look, you know, they have raised up a loud cry. You know, they've even betrayed you, but don't trust them. Don't listen to the voice. Don't listen to the voice that says, give up. It's not worth it. Listen, people are worth it. And I got to remind myself of that. And sometimes I get to do funerals. I've done here um, a few last month. I've got a couple yet to do this month. Um, But at the same time, God reminds me, Whenever I do these services and these funerals, or I even attend them, sometimes I attend them because I go to our church, another minister does them, but I go to them and I'm reminded that these memories, these kids, these grandkids, these people are worth it. It's worth the struggle. And one of the things we started in our church was we had so many small groups that uh, I couldn't really keep up with them. Uh, I didn't do a very good job, to be honest with you. And so we raised up uh, some people in the church that that weren't doing a thousand other things, and we got small group coaches, and so they're going to help these groups. And the first book I want them to read is called, you know, A Leadership Pain. And I think I think 15 years ago, you know, or, or how many? Yeah, 15 years ago. Plus, back back in the day, I had them leading with your strengths. That was the book I picked. But then I got to thinking, I'm raising up. You know, I think there's five or six of them of these people that are small group uh, leaders or coaches, excuse me. And so they're going to help these leaders and help them along, help them with their role, help them with anything they need, help them the, with the basic needs, but also just be there to cheer them on. That's what a coach does. Hey, you know, cheer them on. Go, go. You know, go fight, win. Do you know, cheer them on, coach them, and 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 say, hey, how can I help you? And I told him, how can I serve you? But I thought, boy, how times have changed. It was leading with your strengths for these teens, but now I have these people that are basically kind of starting to raise up in leadership. And I want them to read Leadership Pain. It's Samuel L. Chan. I recommend that book as well, because the truth is in ministry and leadership, there's going to be pain. 
And he tells the story in the book about how in a college he was basically uh, had prejudice against him and his family and, and how he actually went through some horrible things. And, and he ends up going back and being like the president of that college. But God, how God used that along the way to form him and to mold him. And, and I'll say this, every, you got to be able to lean into your pain, lean into your frustrations, lean into your hurt, lean into the betrayal, because that's part of leadership. That's what Jeremiah was learning at this place. And by the way, what did Jesus do? Jesus was betrayed and he was talked about. And boy, you hope you're excited for ministry and excited for leadership, but God will use that to mold you and to speak to you. I tell people this uh, all the time that, and, and boy, do I have to eat my own words. Remember iron sharpens iron. So one brother sharpens another, but, but as we have frustrations, irritations, and even sometimes, by the way, in leadership, you're going to lack sleep. If you're leading any amount of people at all, you're going to find nights that every once in a while you may lack sleep, not all the time, but sometimes you're going to have some frustrations. But I always remember these emotions are a big red flag. And to Jason Bruns, they're a big red flag that says, I'm trying to handle it on my own, or I'm trying to do things in my own strength. And really, God's having this conversation with Jeremiah and saying, look, trust what I told you. Trust what I want you to do. I think sometimes we spend so much time uh, dealing with people and or, or try, trying to focus on what, what people want. We forget what God's called us to do. And I'm not I don't have a Superman cape. You don't have a Superman cape. So put the Superman cape down and remember. Uh, I've done this here a few months ago, uh, four or five months ago now. I went to uh, do a baptism for one of my little family members and, and or, or to do a dedication, excuse me, and, and went down there and, and I went fishing out on the bank. And, and basically I got alone with God and I'd been talking as I'm, you know, throwing this fly rod, I'm, I'm talking to God and saying, God, you know, help me, renew me, you know, speak to me. It wasn't a downtime. Actually, it's been a great time in ministry, uh, especially where we was at the time and getting into a new building and things. But I was like, God, just help me and mend me and heal me. But God, speak to me. I'm always looking for his voice. So in the midst of everything I'm doing, you know, of running with me, and if you will, is, is God's telling Jeremiah, uh, you know, I want to hear the voice of God. And I'll never forget, I'm, I'm standing there. God speaks to me at different times and different ways, but I'm, I'm getting ready to go fishing and or and and as I'm getting ready and putting all my stuff on, you know, you got all this stuff and these waders, and I'm getting them all on. In the midst of it, God spoke to me, and he and he gave me a word. He gave me a word to speak, not an audible voice, but down in my spirit. And and basically, he just said, "Passion and anointing, passion and anointing." And I'm like, God, tell me more. You know, I'm like, I want a book. You know what I mean? Like I can read and process and have maybe have a small group with. That's how my mind thinks, and we can all sit around and talk about this. But I'm like, I didn't hear any more passion and anointing. And I'm like, well, that you know that that's great. And and I when he, when I felt God speak to me. I'll never forget the freeing feeling I felt from some of the other thoughts and some of the other things. I'm like, passion and anointing. God, that's that's what we need in ministry. You got to have a passion for what you're doing. Every ministry is a solution to a problem. Every ministry has a heart to do a certain thing. We need a passion to fix that. 
you know, I think about uh, Compassion International, you know, to, to feed every child, you know, to make the world not hungry, you know, their, their motto, it's, it kind of eluded me here, but, but, you know, that was their motto. Get, get these kids fed. Whatever it is you're doing, let it be a passion. But then there's an anointing, and that's a supernatural work. That's a supernatural energy. That's a supernatural uh, equipping. See, God doesn't need you. He does not need your ability. We got to get that out of our head, but he needs your availability. I know people that have all the gifts in the world. I mean, they could be a powerhouse for Jesus. I believe with all my heart, but they don't, they're never available for ministry. They're never available for God. They're so busy. They schedule their schedule so tight. They don't have time for anything spontaneous. You know, God would have to call for an appointment. No, I'm just joking. But, but I am saying this. We can be trained to the max, to the hilt, but not have any time. It's our availability. Um, the, the few things I've done for God in my life has been, I just have been available. I told God, you know, God, if you want me to stand before people, whether it be three or whether it be 300 or 3,000, who knows? But God, I will stand before them. And so when someone calls me to help with their family or for their service or for their funeral, I'm available. Can I always do them? No, I can't always do them. I can't always. But one of my core values is that I'm available. I made a phone call to a friend of mine, a pastor, and I said, I acknowledged him today. I said, thank you, because he's busy, and he's got ministry, and he's been in church for years, and his church is growing, and they're doing great things for Jesus. And I said, thank you for being available. Like he, like he'll answer my calls and he can't always, he'll text him back. Hey, I'll call you later. And he might forget, but, but he's available to talk to. And, and some of us just for ministry, we need to be available, but know this when you're available, especially people that are codependent and they're dealing with the issues in their life, they will sap you dry sometimes. And so this is what Jeremiah is dealing with. He's like, these people, and he's trying to help his people, but he's also coming against the people that are coming against the people for this cap- time of captivity that Israel's coming into. And he's basically kind of getting flustered with it. And he's like, now people are betraying me. God just judged these people, kind of like Jonah did, you know, God said, go into the city and tell him, you know, it's a three days journey. He goes in about a day and a half and says, Hey, here's his message. Basically, Hey, get right with God or you're all going to die and go to hell. You know, that's basically the crux of the message. And then he goes up on top of the hill and waits for God to destroy him. I mean, that's Jonah had a heart problem. He had a problem and, and with the people, he didn't like where he was going. Matter of fact, that's why he took a boat in the other end of the other direction. But sometimes God calls us to people that we maybe aren't exactly our crowd or our type. And, I think in ministry and in leadership, we have to remember our heart's reflection. Uh, what we do is our heart's reflection. In other words, when we see those people that it's hard to help or they're very difficult, the people that do have deep problems, do we shy away from them? Will we walk by them like the Good Samaritan? You know, there was two religious leaders, really, one that served in the temple, and there's a rabbi and a Levite, and they both walk by. One walks the other side of the road, one keeps going, but then it was that good Samaritan that stopped and found him sitting in the ditch and went down and, and bound his wounds and poured in the oil and poured in the wine. And this person that was in the ditch was undesirable. I'm sure he stunk. I mean, they'd abandoned the guy. I mean, that's what ministry looks like. It doesn't look like... Uh, Facebook and Instagram and getting a lot of views ministry. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what, you know, if you got those, that's great, you know, but at the same time, ministry is down in the ditch with people. It's not to stay in the ditch with them, but true empathy and understanding and, and entering into the world as Jesus did and, and, and have been betrayed some and people complaining some, boy, I've had my share of letters. Boy, I get some letters sometimes, not a lot, but a few times it's happened. And matter of fact, you know, probably the first two years didn't get one letter, but then all of a sudden, 
they all come at once and or an email and you know they don't like what i'm doing and they don't like how we do this and i'm like well you know what thank you lord for people because if it wasn't for people there would be no ministry and there wasn't any ministry there would be anything for me to do and i'd have to do something different so i want to encourage you I do believe God calls us to places that we can run with horses, that we can do greater things for Jesus, but it comes through leadership pain and through process and understanding other people, man, it's, it's really, I'm a, if you ever done a disc assessment, I'm a high D. And so I like want a decision made, like I want to, I just make the decision. Tell me what's the problem. I want to make a decision. But as I've learned for the, especially the last several years is I'm learning that, you know, some people, they, they want to talk about details. So I'm like, okay, so I got to like bite my tongue, let them talk about details. But then at the same time, sometimes I got to set them people free and let them make all the, the details and, and then just come to me for something big or whatever. And, and it's just a process of this dying. People want ministry. They don't want any dying. They don't want any. And really, sometimes it's easier to do it myself. It's just easier. But letting other people do things and find their purpose and begin to make a difference in the body of Christ. That's what we talk about in our church. And it is so beautiful to see someone else. When you make a disciple, a lot of people, we talk about discipleship, but are we making disciples? When we make a disciple, they'll make a disciple. Then they'll teach someone. And sometimes their ministry won't look like our ministry. Their leadership won't look like our leadership, but they're still doing great things in the kingdom of God. And the bottom line is, if we're going to lead, we're going to find these frustrations just like Jeremiah had, you know, you know, and God says, you know, if you've raced with men on foot and they've worn you out, how can you even compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? In other words, God's saying, I got more complicated things for you to do. I got more things that are going to press you harder than this. And you know what I got to thinking about in leadership is as you lead laity or maybe you lead leaders and but as, as we lead, every single bit of that struggle pushes us back into the arms of God. He uses something so beautiful as Jeremiah's issues in this nation that was rebellious. Boy, we don't we have a rebellious nation, but he uses those things to push him back into his arms for his dependency to be upon him. Uh, in, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. It's in our weakness that we learn the things. So I encourage you, child of God, sir, ma'am, whatever you do, whether it be leading that little Sunday school class of three and four-year-olds or whether it be greeting at the front door of your church or maybe it's in your job, maybe you're, you're just called to be in your job and to be a bright light in a dark place. Listen, there's no greater place for a light to shine than being in the workplace of some evil people. Then maybe that's your ministry. Maybe, honey, your ministry is to raise your kids and to teach them to be godly. But whatever it is that you're doing for Jesus, it's worth it. And every bit of struggle, every bit of trial, when we get to heaven, there'll be jewels and there'll be crowns. And I don't know how big mine will be, but I'm going to have at least one or two. And I, I don't need a mansion. I just need a nice place to stay, man. So I encourage you to that this ministry, this leadership thing, it's worth it because we're making a difference in the kingdom of God. And by the way, it's not really an option. It says, go into all nations and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we are to go to Jerusalem. Samaria and the uttermost parts of the parts of the world. That is our calling. That is what God has called us to do. Many times in leadership and ministry, we forget the part of the called. It's not just some system and add water and shake and stir and, and have a beautiful recipe or have a beautiful end product, but it is this thing is a calling from God deep in our spirit. There should be a conviction that says, This is what God has called me to do. However big, however small. 
Sometimes he uses the simple things to confound the wise, but it is a calling. It should be your heart's desire. And if you've ever been involved, and maybe it's your next step, you're saying, you know, I'm just kind of serving God. I'm not leading. Lead something. Find three or four people. Get you a Bible study together. Get you a, You'll make your church better, I promise you. Sometimes people get in the habit of talking about what's wrong with the church instead of being the church. We have a saying at our church when we leave, we say church starts now, something God gave me. It starts now. It doesn't start when we walk in the church. It starts when we leave the church. So get you three or four people and start studying the word of God and and who you're going to lead and what you're going to do. But friends, it's been a wonderful talking to you. And uh, I I just pray, let me me pray over you. I want to pray over you. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for your mercy. God, maybe somebody out there has been struggling in in their spiritual life and they need to make the next step to begin to lead something small. Maybe you're calling them to something bigger that's been on their heart. And God, I pray that you work that out, God, that you work it out in their life, that you open doors that only you can open, close doors that only you can close. And God, I pray for those that have been hurt, God. There's been some hurt. Uh, Not a week goes by, I don't hear about someone being hurt in a church or something happening. And God, I pray that you heal that, God, that you pour in the oil and the wine and that you soothe the pain. But God, you also, God, that you call them up out of that ditch and say, I've called you to other things and maybe called you to different ministry or a different level. And God, I pray for healing upon the wounds of people in the church. But God, I pray that they would have a heart to say it's been worth it because one day we'll stand before you. And God, we'll give an account for what you've given us, the gifts you've given us and our callings that you've called us to do. And God, we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, friends, and have a wonderful week.